Thank you so much for joining me on the Broad Place High Grade Living Podcast. My name is Jackie Lewis, and I'm a co-founder of the Broad Place, which is a school for greater consciousness, clarity, and creativity. These podcast interviews have been created to bring the philosophy of our book, High Grade Living, to life for you. I share the ways in which people bring their version of a high-grade life into being, exploring creativity and consciousness. Our aim is that you walk through the book and listen to this podcast and take all the pieces that are relevant to you to create something nurturing that can inspire and hold you for the future. The tools and exercises within the High Grade Living book and this podcast can be explored with as much broadness as you please. We've designed this not to be too prescriptive, but so that it becomes a baseboard for you to leap off to into your unique path to high-grade living. Your path to a high-grade life is a life aligned with your higher self and love. It's unique to you, and we hope to inspire you to seek that authenticity. Welcome to my interview with Erin LaBelle Verinda. Erin is a herbalist, a nutritionist, an energetic healer, and a mentor and an author. Her wonderful book, Plants for the People, which is a modern guide to plant medicine, um, really aligns with what the work that she does one-on-one with people. Erin is a woman in tune with the natural world, and she is on a full-hearted mission to educate and assist and up-level how people can heal themselves with the rhythms of nature, and her beautiful book summarizes this work that she does. And she really discusses plant medicine and gentle innate interventions on how to unearth thriving health and well-being, and I really hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today for the High Grade Living podcast. I wanted, for to, you. <laughs> I wanted to really dive into the chapter, Your Home as a Retreat, and discuss presence and creativity and also working from home because it's something that you and I both do and have done for some time. And we're also at a time in the world where a lot of people are also working from home and it can be challenging, but there's also a lot of joy that can be gained from it. So first of all, I would love to ask your thoughts on working from home for you and keeping creative in the way in which you work. So obviously you do client uh, protocols and work with all your different clients. Um, and then you also are an, are an author and you do product development. So for you, there's obviously a lot of hats that you wear and you work with your partner as well. For you working, yeah. keeping that creative flow whilst working from home, what are some of the things that you do? Like, are there any guidelines or like things that you're like, you know what, don't do this. Um, this is a hindrance <laughs> or this is a benefit. What could you share yep. with people listening? I mean, I feel like it's a, it, it shifts and changes for me because I feel like um, as my plate gets more and more full, I really, you know, have had to refine those practices over the years. And I feel at this point with a very full plate, how I, how I go about doing that, I have to have a lot of structure. So this is the best thing for me around because when you work from home, you're not, you know, as we do when we go somewhere and we leave the house, we get up, we get dressed, we go, we've got a timeline. When you're at home, you know, it can be a little more roomy and luxurious as to when you might actually start the day. And so for me, I have to be quite disciplined and, you know, create my practices around as if I was doing a whole work day and going somewhere because I notice if I sort of go out in the morning and then, you know, my day blows out and I think it's lovely to have flexibility, but when you are dealing with lots of different elements, it's so important to have ritual and routine that kind of keep you uh, accountable for your day as well. 
And that yeah. really sets it up for me. Yeah, for sure. And we talk about that. We've always talked about that a bunch of like, you know, how we both go about kind of crafting our work schedules around living and working at home. It's, it's, it's unique, but at the same time, you're right. Everyone's kind of doing that right now. Many people are doing that right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Aaron always teases me because I have to get dressed and, you know, have a shower and put on, you know, I put on like a little bit of mascara Same. and my blush before the workday, but sometimes we'll go out yeah. for coffee and then it was like 6.30 in the morning and I've got <laughs> a nice lipstick yeah. on and I'm ready and I'm dressed for the day. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, because as soon yeah. as we get home, I'm straight into my work and I, I need to have pretend yeah. that I am technically leaving to go to work, even though I'm staying at home yeah. to create that structure. Yeah. And it's just a mindset issue. Yeah. If I'm in my pajamas, it just feels really yeah. weird. I don't feel like I'm approaching. No, it. totally same. Like I always get up and have a shower and get dressed. And you know, when I'm consulting with clients, those days that I have a lot of rituals around those days are different to my non-consulting days because I need to make sure that I'm really feeling like supercharged and and vital and energized. So I have like a rule around getting to bed at a certain time um before those you know making sure I get enough sleep before those days not Mm -hmm. that I'm a late out like I'm not a night owl at all I'm like toast by like 9 p.m you know um but I'll be like I have to be in bed by 8 30 and chilling out and I'm up and I'm outside I'm in the garden I'm I'm meditating I'm eating a really good breakfast I'm kind of really creating the the capsule and the container for the days ahead because I am like so on and working and talking and dynamic um and that's really important to me is like making sure I take care of myself so I can show up really well in my job. Um, and for me, a lot of those rituals are around connecting to nature, being in my garden, having downtime, moving my body, going for a walk, those kind of things, creating stillness in my life and nourishment on lots of different levels, allow me to really be able to do what I do. I know when I'm feeling undernourished, it is so hard for me to pull out of myself to then, you know, serve others and be really of any use to anyone else when I'm feeling undernourished. So I'm quite hardcore about my rituals. Yeah, absolutely. And and I've got a little, there's a little um, piece in the high grade living book on inviting nature into your yeah. home. And, you know, I talk about how you might not have a beautiful garden, but bringing nature inside yeah. can help. Now you do have a very beautiful garden um, that's in an abundant state right now in, uh, as we sort of move yeah. out of the winter and into the spring. But in regards, yeah. also in your house, you've always got an abundance of you know, fresh cut flowers and herbs. Yeah. Um, is there anything, you've got your beautiful book, Plants for the People, which is a modern guide to plant medicine. And there's so much in this book in regards to how you can integrate uh, plants and nature into life. For yeah. those that listening that haven't necessarily yet read Plants for the People, what are some <laughs> of the, like the two yeah. or three key things that you think are sort of the non-negotiables about inviting nature into the house? I mean, I feel like non-negotiables is having plants in your house, mm-hmm. you know, where, I, and I know that sometimes people live in darker places, but there are plants that grow in darker places. You know, there's, there's all types of, um, plants that so obviously we can have in our environments, but house plants are super important. You know, they especially now when a lot of people are in, you know, they're in lockdown in different countries and they're not able to actually have much nature times. So maybe they're able to get out for a short period for a walk in a day, but you know, really being inside and feeling like the outside is inside is super important. So just 
have lots of plants, you know, and that's, I feel like that's really important. And then you're right. Like I, I mean, I do have lots of wick because we grow a lot of herbs. I always bring herbs into, you know, little jars and fresh cut flowers and things. And that, that just really brightens my mood and, and the energy of the house as well, bringing nature in. But, and I talk about this a lot in plants with people, but it's with starting to like cultivate a connection with plant medicine to the most simple thing is to start working with herbal teas. And essentially, like teas are just dried leaves and flowers and barks and berries. It's all nature. So, and I think that reflection of that outside, inside, and, and even bringing it deeper into your body is so beautiful with take, ingesting something. It's like the next level of bringing nature into your body um, and into your space. So, drink teas, like herbal teas, and experiment. And gosh, they're also visually beautiful. You know, when you have a jar of like rose petals or, you know, you have a jar of deep green nettle leaf and, that looks beautiful on your counter. Like it's just nature can kind of light up your senses on so many levels and there's so many ways to do that, but they're just like simple things that come to mind for sure. Well, one of my favorite uh, gift boxes that friends sent when we were in hotel quarantine, which is was the most unnatural two weeks that I've ever experienced in my life because you're in four walls that doesn't get, that don't get cleaned with no access to fresh air and absolutely no access to sunlight. And the really? windows are so heavily tinted that you don't really have an indication yeah. of what's going on outside. It always looks sort of cloudy and a little bit grim. And you sent us yeah. that beautiful box. And the most exciting things that got sent for me, you sent us a big bunch of the dried lemon myrtle to hang in the shower. Yeah. I mean, we hung it yeah. in the shower and it was just, yeah. it seemed so simple that it was, it literally, I mean, tears came to me each time I shower because it was like <gasps> how much my body was just thirsting. My senses were thirsting for nature. And you gave us fresh lemons, which yeah. you know, seems really fundamental and really basic. And um, yeah. it was just such a delight just to have just A, the brightness of the lemons was so beautiful. We had like a little bowl of like a dish of them. Um, but just that yeah. lemon in the water felt like satiating on another level that I totally. think being deprived of nature, it really rewarded us. Mm-hmm. Totally. And it feels wild. It brings that little bit of wildness in and the outside in. And we need that in our lives so much more than ever, mm. you know, to bring that in. So I remember like thinking, what, it, what would be great? Like, and you gave me a little list of things you wanted, but I was like in the box and I was like, most of biscuits, like cookies, biscuits, most, <laughs> um, <laughs> don't, um, all the things from the health food store. But, it, but then it was like, what, what will also ignite her senses and make her feel like she's bringing the outside into this sterile environment. So I'm, yeah, I think that's really beautiful. And we need to apply that in, in our everyday in looking and, around our spaces, you know, and kind of curating them and connecting to them and not bring and that in a little bit more. Yeah, not overcomplicating it because I think yeah. if, if you're approaching this for the you know for the first time or or you're not used to being at home, you know, if you wake up, yeah. you go to the gym, and then you normally go to work for eight to ten hours, and then you know you might go out for dinner. You know, you may not necessarily have spent a huge amount of time in the home. So this concept yeah. of your home is being a retreat or now somewhere that you're in all the time and working at, all of a sudden it can feel potentially overwhelming. Like how do I make this more beautiful and more natural? It doesn't actually have to be as complicated as you think. It can be really oh, simple and beautiful. Truly, yeah, yeah. Can I can I ask as well? There's this uh, a little tiny piece in the High Grade Living book called "Keeping a Clean Home," and it's around yeah. feeling calmer in a tidier space. And I reference. Um, uh, Shuki Matsumoto, who's a Buddhist monk, who has this beautiful little book. Um, and he references a clean home is a clean heart. And that the way you don't clean your house out of a sense of duty, but as a practice to keep your heart clean. And I just think it's mm, so sweet beautiful. and so inspiring. Yeah. And you and Noah have 
the cleanest house, the neatest, cleanest, <laughs> most Virgo orientated. It's like, it's, it, it's like a temple. It's a, uh, a temple to orderliness. Um, and I always find it so inspiring whenever I come over, I'm like, Oh, and I mean, poor Aaron, you know, <laughs> has to live with my, like, you know, he calls me, um, at the moment, a, a book Turkey, like a bush Turkey, which is an Australian for those of you listening. It's this Australian animal that has this like obsession with gathering piles of things. So mostly leaves uh-huh. and I do it with books. It's like piles of books, like, all over our house and yours is so beautiful and ordered so on your bookshelf. But when, when, <laughs> in regards to keeping this, um, and I don't mean clean mm-hmm. even necessarily, obviously you guys are very clean. I don't mean clean, right. like OCD, like polished, no, 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 like, like tidy and clean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel yeah. that it's incredibly important for your mind state and for how you go about your day? so important. Yes. Like I realized this years ago when I was, you know, when I really started working from home and I mean, I, I always knew this about myself that I feel more orderly and clear and just together when my space is clear, you know, it's mm-hmm. a deep reflect. My home is a real deep reflection of me and a reflection of my head space and heart space. So if it's really chaotic, I just can't focus. And before the day begins, if there's, you know, if it, it, to be honest, like it doesn't even happen that way where I have to go and really clean before the days begin because the way that we tidy is as it, <laughs> you're laughing, but it's just, it's funny because no, my husband said the other day, everyone's always like, how do you keep your house so clean? And I need to like create an answer for this because I, I don't, like, it's not even conscious. Like, it's not like I'm a neat freak or it's just that as we go along in our day, it, we tidy as we, as we move through it. So like if we're making a meal, we always tidy as we're making the meal. So it's like, it's not a big crazy mess at the end. Um, or when I when at the end of the night, when I'm, when I'm turning off from work, I always tidy my workspace. So when I return to it the next day, it feels really clear. Mm. Um, and for me, that's, that's how I move through the day in my spaces because we have like a studio workspace, you know, and then, and then the rest of it is like living. And so I, I don't want that to, I want my space to be contained. Like my workspace is in here. I don't want it to spill out into different areas of the house because I need to create like that harmonious balance where at the end of the day I can close the door and leave my workspace. Um, so mm. yeah, tidying is actually just moves with us in the day. Um, and we are, but Noah's a Virgo, I'm an Aries. So I can be a little bit of a, I, I don't know why I'm actually, I don't know. It doesn't really make that much sense that I'm that, that I'm so conscious of that tidiness in the space, but I think it's just a reflection of how it makes me feel in my body. Yeah. And it's a reflection of being with Noah for a very long time, probably. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it, it, it feels good. You know, it feels good when it's clear. Yeah. yeah. So it's that toward motivation. I feel better and more productive and I feel more harmonious yeah. when, when you feel, when you know that, well, you know, you operate at your best when the space feels like this. So why not just continue to operate with that in mind as opposed yeah. to probably more from my philosophy, yeah. which is let it build up and have to do it all at once. Um, yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Now, there's also another yeah. term that I describe in the book called zumption, which is a Japanese, it's mm. a Zen term, and it means appreciating the entire cosmos at all times, a state of utter present awareness of everything that is, where the mind is completely at peace and observant of all things. It's the recognition that everything is connected and that the entire universe is based on our perceptions and our projections of reality. And I love this term for me it helps me get out of like the 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 like the the small mindedness or the the intensity mm-hmm. or the drama of what might be happening and become a bit more universal or um expanded yeah. yeah in my ideas mm-hmm. is there if this concept of zanshin for you um 
if we just looked at the way in which you work with the plants mm-hmm. um, and then obviously also teaching the clients um, how to work with the plants, mm-hmm. do you think that this connectivity with the cosmos is just unbelievably vital or do you think it's something that just comes naturally to you? Is it something you harvest and cultivate? Is it always there? Mm, that five questions Gosh, that's a really good question <laughs> yeah I was like that's a few good questions um, <laughs> I think I think the ethos of herbalism and and um the way that when you really tap into the veil of the plants it's all of that that you just said is exists in the spirit of plant medicine and the spirit of herbalism and it's an ancient practice really and you know, the way that we integrate into our modern day now, the danger is that I think we are getting a little clinical and like actually missing that expansive approach to plant medicine. So Mm. I'm really on this mission to like keep reminding people that the spirit is the spirit and the depths and the layer and the energy of nature existing all within those realms of the plants. Like that's the, like, I feel like that's the like gumption and the, 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 the how to explain it like the kind of the layer beyond what you might first see but there's just so many layers to it and when I connect to plants it's it's like that it's like this infinite universe like I think about them in that way and I think once we yeah oversimplify and narrow things down we lose so much magic and everything we have so much like communion and connection um And I think that's what I love so much about my work is that you can apply it in one way. You can apply, you know, health and plant medicine and healing in one way, but then there's infinite other ways that it can be applied and how nature can come in as the greatest healer of all. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I don't know if I answered that really. No, no, you did. Absolutely. Yeah, no. Okay. And to lead on from that, it's something that I I particularly notice when I'm in India is like healing through natural medicines um obviously because ayurveda is so like readily um so readily informs how people just operate in the world uh in india but also there was you know you're in the market and a busy marketplace and you cough and you know some person will come out with a tiny paper envelope from their pocket with fennel seeds for you to chew you know and they're like oh chew these it'll be good for your cough i mean there's so many examples that i have of something that's happened where you have a sniffle or you know you might complain of aches and pains and they're like oh and there's like Mm. a herb or a plant or this or they make you a tea and and i'm talking like Mm. in a random bookstore somewhere and you know, you'll yeah, sort of yeah. stretch because you're, you know, and they're like, oh, your body is your body sore. And you go, yeah, and they're like, I'll just make you a tea for that. It's so surprising for me. It's just not something I've experienced yeah. necessarily in the West. It's just, and for them, it's so, of course, you use natural medicine to, you know, to work with what's going totally. on. Totally. It's second nature. Yeah. yeah. Do you think Absolutely. it's something that we've had <clears throat> to relearn is in like recognize, like it's a natural, we're 100% nature our bodies are calling out for nature at all times yet we've become so disconnected from them through modern society that we're now having to relearn this. Is that something that you see a lot? Definitely for sure. And I mean, that was like the message of the first book, Plants of the People is that, you know, we're just kind of awakening from this like deep slumber of disconnectedness, you know, and we're really just remembering. Um, And unfortunately, particularly in this last generation, like our parents' generation, there's been a sort of forgotten lineage, but generally the one before or the one before that, like our grandparents and great grandparents, plant medicine was really one of the, one of the only ways to heal. I mean, you know, really it was, it's always been the people's medicine and it's that remembering and awakening. And this, for me, the spirit of um, using herbs is about that. 
is about also helping people empower to heal their own bodies um, and really understand that there's a deep connection and reciprocity between nature and us. Because like you said, we're all made up of the same materials. There simply is no separation yet we've become so separatist in our human experience of how we approach nature. I think if someone was approaching plants and nature as a healing modality for the first time, is there anything that you would recommend so that obsessiveness and a clinical approach, and I don't mean clinical as in mm. obviously you have a clinic, um, but I mean in that sort of yeah. like overly precise or like manic, yeah. uh, controlling way of working with the plants. Is there anything that you'd sort of say to someone entering this path or like, you know, remembering how to use nature to heal yeah. their own nature? Is there anything yeah. like, you know what, I'd, be, I'd sort of keep an eye on this or I'd introduce this. What would you recommend? Mm. I mean, I feel like it's just, first of all, it's about listening. It is actually most importantly about trusting your own process and listening to your intuition. And I know that is challenging for people because a lot of people are like, well, how do I listen to my intuition? I get asked that all of the time. But intuition being that deeper, deeper voice and knowing in the body and the being that when you even create enough space and quietness to listen, and I, you know, I often get, you hear it quite loud and clear often in meditation, there's this guidance of knowing, you know, or, or it doesn't just have to be sit still meditation. It can be a meditation in nature it can you know it can be anything wherever you might be where there's a piece of quiet and stillness where you can access often that space gives way to you hearing a deeper layer of wisdom and understanding of self and that really is your intuition you know that kind of like gut knowing um yeah. now a lot of working with plants is about intuition and activating your own intuition. It isn't about of course like I'm a practitioner I love working with people I get to work with people with a, you know, a lot of varying different things going on, sometimes serious illness, sometimes just wanting to improve health a little bit. And there's a time and a place for that, awesome. But in terms of everybody being able to work with plant medicine, you absolutely can, but you do need to access your intuition and listen to how you're even feeling in your body. That's like the gateway to what remedy and what plant to actually work with. Mm, yeah, beautiful. So does that make sense? It yeah. Makes so, complete sense. you know, how am I feeling in my body? Yeah, exactly. And it that brings, will take you to the remedy. Definitely. And it brings to mind, there's something, it's a word that I've loved. I've worked with a lot in our workshops with students. Cause one of the, what we're talking about with high grade living is auditing. So basically, you know, um, having a look at what's going on and then editing, which is actually removing, not layering in more straight yeah. away and then refining yeah. from there. And one of the words that I love is yohaku, which is a Japanese word, which means to empty out or like white space. So it's, it's employed a lot in like a Zen garden or uh, in Japanese art, which is the idea that less is more. But it's this idea that you have to empty out before you can add mm -hmm. in. So from what I'm hearing from what you're saying is this, um, the intuitive space is basically in, and you know, we need to cultivate removing the things that block the intuition so that then we can yeah. hear it because obviously there's a thirst and Definitely. a desire from everyone. Like I want to hear my intuition. I want to know what it's saying, but yeah. I don't know how to yeah. hear it. Yeah. So it's an emptying out. Yeah. Would you ever recommend, like, is there certain things that you might say to a new client where, you know, you might say um, there's a, a period of time or an emptying out or like creating that white space for them totally. to hear that intuition? What are, some, what are some sort of tips or things that you might share with someone that's yeah. new? I mean, I'm constantly going on about that. And like editing is a huge word for me, my own personal practice and my practice with clients because it is so easy in this modern day to just fill our plates up and really like, 
just be on and producing and performing. So it's really, really in, in all different ways, you know, of how we can produce and perform, but it's really, really important to create time where you almost have that softness. We have the softness and the spaciousness. And I sort of call it like yin downtime, you know, and having that, I always say to people like, what, what do you do to relax? And often people cannot answer that question. Mm. So that's where we begin. Like where, how can we get you into a space where your nervous system can unwind? You can receive rest and receive peacefulness and that white space, you know, in those spaces exist within those spaces. So I'm always saying, I'm huge thing about like the way that you connect with screen time and your phone and devices being super duper aware of it and having time where you are switched off and you're powering down and you are not available to anybody else's process, just your own. Because we live in this space where it's like we can be reached at all times on so many different ways. You know what I mean? Like email calls, messages, DM, all the things, edit, make yourself unavailable and create an atmosphere and an environment that feels really good. So you actually feel safe to allow yourself to unwind and have spaciousness. So do you feel best sitting in your peaceful lounge room? Do you feel best sitting under a tree? Like where can you create those spaces? Having a bath, you know, and adding some beautiful Epsom salts and some like, you know, some petals and like, you know, having a beautiful experience in a bath, like whatever it is, you need to create nourishment back to self to allow yourself to have the spaciousness and regenerate, rejuvenate by editing out the noise. Oh, I love yeah. that. I love that. And I remember yeah. when I first went on a retreat, uh, a meditation yoga retreat, it was probably 15 years ago. So it was like social media didn't really exist. And we weren't using our phones in the same way that we use them now. But I remember being, it was all quite, you know, scripted. So it was, you know, you do this at this time, we do this at this time. And then there was this like two free hours every afternoon. And I was terrified. I had no idea what to do with that time. And I had this like, totally. you know, they, they were just like, just sit. I mean, just hang out, like lie in the sun, whatever. And I had this, it was the first time I became completely aware of this bias that I had that just relaxing was somehow being lazy and unproductive. Yeah. You know, and yes. it took years to unpack that and to rewire my ideas mm -hmm. and my thinking around that. I think in the in the age of yes. busy, it's something that we've become. We, you know, it's been lorded over us, and we lord over other people, like how busy we are, and and you know, saying we're doing nothing or we're relaxing feels almost bold in today's age. So, Truly. do you do you feel that it's? Um, would you say that it's it's very important to cultivate a uh, cultivate a practice of relaxation and presence? A hundred percent. I mean, yeah. I've learned this the hard way by burning myself out, you know, and I think <laughs> many of us have gone through times and might be moving through times of complete burnout. So in that space, you really do need to, even more so, you need to edit and cultivate a relaxing relation, a, 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 yeah, a relationship with, with relaxation and also with creating spaces where you can relax in. It's really important. Um, and I think we just because like you said we're living in that glorification of busy which i just like i feel like we've got it so back the front because even i noticed this too in my own creative process when i'm actually in that busy cycle and there's just so much going on i can't create mm. at all so i know for me like i'm i that's when i'm minus creative energy but when i'm in space i'm plus creative energy when i'm in relaxation space and for me, that's got a lot to do with being in nature because that's one of my biggest wells, you know, is just really being in quiet, spacious nature 
I know a lot of people live in cities too. And I always want to, people ask me this all the time. It's like how to connect to nature when you're in a city. And I do think that, again, I want to bring it back to those simple practices of you can bring nature into your home. And also like you can live, you know, if you're in, in inside, everything around you is nature. Looking at the sky is nature, you know? So not being like you have to be walking through a forest to connect to nature or forest bathing. That's You can connect to nature and even in a meditation, you can connect to nature. You're, you're, the power of visualization is so major. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that we, our little nervous systems are 100% nature. So it's connecting back to the body. Truly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. And, and one other thing that I really want to touch on, because I know it's so dear and important to you, is around... Yeah mindful eating so that's um not just about what's on the plate but how it got on the plate and and i know that you feel really strongly that i just want to caveat this with it's not a everything has to be organic and you know in a particular way i know you don't necessarily subscribe to a particular you know eating label um which i know you're actually Mm -hmm. quite against but it's eating with intention and eating slowly and eating with presence and i've always loved i love watching um you do that little you've done that little instagram series which was accidental in the beginning which was how you and noah both prepare your meals uh him being a burger (laughs) and you being an aries (laughs) but it's this idea of like being active involved with what's going on your plate and making it look beautiful and then sitting down and taking the time to enjoy it one of the things I talk about in the book a lot is you know don't save the good plates for a special occasion use them every day have less things but have things that you love and that and that's as big a part of eating as what's actually in the bowl or on the plate are there any things yeah. that you think, you know, if I, if you said, oh, you know what? I couldn't live without. I just love this part of the eating process. Mm. Um, what, what, what comes to mind? I mean, the biggest thing is that like, I find cooking really joyful and relaxing. Mm. I feel like it's a time when I can actually be super duper present with the task at hand. And that's a practice, a personal practice for me. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. And often like Nora and I will cook together in the kitchen and it's a time where we get to connect and we just get to be really present with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, you know, I personally feel that I'm so, I am, I'm a sensitive pedal guys, but like over the years, you know, when I go out to a cafe and someone like it's not made with a lot of love and intention, or it just feels really rushed and chaotic and the cafe doesn't feel so great. I can, I feel like I, I can feel that, you know, I feel like love and intention and energy is poured into food because well, everything is energy. And, you know, when you're present with something and, you know, you do, you make it look really, you make it look pretty and pretty doesn't have to be hard. Like I just, and it's a funny, you, you reference that Aries um, Virgo thing because, you know, when we put it together, they both look lovely and it's all intentional, but the way that we go about doing it is different. And they're both beautiful presentations, but it's like, I just feel that food is such a deep reflection of how we can nourish ourselves. So you know, really giving it that much energy as well is super important. Like it's a real act of self-love and self-care to make a meal. That's mm. how I approach food. And that's, I, I really love that practice, honestly. Yeah. And, and not um, what I realized when Molly was a, was a baby, but I was doing a lot of this thing called kitchen picnicking, which is like a little nickname that I made up where it wasn't taking the time to put it on a plate and sit down and enjoy it. Yeah. It was basically like standing up in the yeah. kitchen and putting food in my mouth. And sometimes even right. like if it was a juicy, beautiful mango, I wouldn't even just sit on my deck and eat it. I would sit, eat it over this kitchen sink, which is a really unenjoyable way <laughs> to eat a mango. Totally. But it's like that. Yeah. And it, you know, it took some, um, yeah some time to really cultivate, okay, I I need to, like, how do I make this more elevated? Not by buying the most expensive mango, but by just actually 
honoring and enjoying mm. what I was eating. Totally. Do you find, do you find that like, that's, yeah, no good. I was going to say, and I know not everybody can grow their own food, but for me, the next level of really appreciating food has been growing it. Um, because you know how much energy goes into that one carrot to grow those, you know, to grow those line of carrots or, you know, those he- those heads of um, broccoli and and cauliflower and and yeah, you have a, I feel like I have a different relationship with food over the years as I've grown it more and more as well, which is which is lovely. So I feel more mindful about what I'm consuming and how I go about m- nutrition and nourishing myself. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I, how long did it take? You gave me yeah. an exquisite specimen of cauliflower the other day. How long did it take to grow the cauliflower? <laughs> Oh, months like we yeah. put that in in like you know March and so what we're now August yeah, yeah it's a long it to, time you know, to come up a long time yeah and we and I was like I give you my cauliflower <laughs> you know because <laughs> I was like, I'm offering you my cauliflower like no one else got any Jack you're really special so you guys got a whole <laughs> head of cauliflower like I mean it's beautiful to share of course but you know yeah you put so much energy into growing these th- this food um and I find a lot of joy with like bundling up big you know, bundles of greens and giving those to friends and just a lot of joy from growing food. And a lot of energy goes into growing food. So I feel like I need to honor the process when I'm eating as well. Yeah, uh, being mindful. And I'm always like, yeah, sit and rest and digest. Don't stand up. That's like one of my top rules, top, top rules for clients just to help your digestion as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's rest some, and I, digest. Yeah. The rest and, and giving yourself time after a meal is something that um, for some reason, whenever we were in India, after you finished a meal, you'd go for a little stroll. Um, and, and usually because it was so hot, you know, um, of, of an evening, it was still really balmy, but you'd finish your dinner and you'd go for a stroll. It was kind of just a cultural thing that we would always do wherever we were. And then we came home, you know, when you go away, you travel and you're like, oh, eating with such presence. Like uh, one of my favorite dishes that I discovered, which is not, I don't even know if you can call it a dish, but it's sliced cucumber with lime juice and white pepper. And it's so simple, yeah. but they literally serve yeah. it like it was always served to us. We were in this ashram on a special little plate mm. and it was just this like, not, not like perfectly cut, kind of chunkily cut cucumber with lime and white yeah. pepper. And then you would have, you know, obviously your dal, your kitchari or whatever. And then you would go for this stroll. And it was that thing of like, God, why don't we do this at home? You know, why, why don't yeah. we celebrate like a little cucumber? And it's, it's true because it was grown in yeah. the garden. So they knew, you know, in the ashram, mm. they were like, God damn, that's good. You will sit and you will love this yeah. cucumber because it took us a long right. time to grow it. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. Just more mindfulness. And I mean, I think because we are in this, you know, society where there's so much easy access to everything, we've kind of forgotten that connection as well around the precious, uh, precious and presence of food, preciousness and presence of food. Um, but you know that. I mean, I guess that's a little caveat, but it's similar back to bringing you back to kind of the presence of plants and plant medicine as well. Yeah, absolutely. So to wrap, cultivating uh, appreciation, I think is one of the key things that you've mentioned and cultivating presence and making sure that we also like really carve out the time to enjoy our relationship with our food, our bodies, our rituals, our routines, and also ensuring that we disciplined in creating, which sounds funny, but disciplined in ensuring that we have the time and space to be relaxed because nothing good comes from being stressed. (laughs) No, no, it really doesn't. Nothing good comes from being stressed and compressed. So yeah, carving out more spaciousness as best as we can. And that can mean so many different things to so many, you know, to everyone, it's going to mean something different, but you, I think sitting down and asking yourself where, where are, 
where are the spacious, you know, moments and where is the spaciousness in my life? I think that's a really powerful exercise. Oh, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Of course, honey. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Broadplay's High Grade Living Podcast. For more information on our interviewee, please see the show notes. For more information on the Broadplay's, visit www.thebroadplay's.com or hit us up on Instagram at thebroadplay's. Our book, High Grade Living, can be purchased globally online or please ask any of your favourite book retailers to get your hands on a copy. Please remember we also have a free 30-day calendar that goes with the High Grade Living book that you can jump on and download for free from our website within the classroom. This will help you action and bring to life everything that's featured within the book. Best of luck.